to Hooplecast. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me are my newbie co-hosts. Carol. Matt. And Mel. And we're a bunch of Hoopleheads. We have no guests today because our guest had to drop out for um, family issues, which is completely understandable. I advertised on the Facebook group as well as the Twitter feed that we could use an emergency guest, but no one responded. So, um... Folks, if you're listening to this and you, well, I could do a podcast. I could, I could be on the show and talk about Deadwood. There are opportunities still. There are guest spots available. You just have to reach out to me. We'll <laughs> see if we can slot you in somewhere. Any, anyone have anything to report before we move on? No. Nope. We did a commentary. <laughs> yes. We tried. We tried at least. I don't know what it sounds like. It sounded fine. Except for the, how many times did it skip out? Do you know? I, or, I mean, I, I, noticed, I noticed it do it a couple times. I was like, eh, I don't know how much of this is even there. I didn't review the whole thing. I listened to the whole thing. It sounded fine. I couldn't tell where there were gaps anywhere, really. Oh, really? Except Not even right re- at the beginning? Well, at the recording ended up being about 48 minutes, and I think the episode's longer than that. So you, we must have lost something, but overall it sounded pretty solid and was very entertaining. That's right. good. Good. Because we didn't, we didn't take notes. Because I'm like, how am I going to take notes? Because I'm basically going to be saying my notes in this commentary. So I'm going to try this episode noteless and just reply to what's being er, being said. That's what we're <laughs> while yeah. while we're discussing this. Yes. Okay. Because all my all my immediately all my immediate thoughts are just you know in that commentary. <coughs> That's the stuff I would have written written down. I'm sure. Well, I'll sort of remember what you've said and uh, maybe I'll prompt you to... And the commentary you said, Oh, yeah! <laughs> oh, I'll probably have the same thoughts again, you know, when, when we get to those parts. Today's articles, there's two of them. They come from us from John. Jonathan Which, Pope. Oh, that oh, one. Nice. Oh, nice! we got around to it. Aww, <laughs> that's great. And all it took was us meeting him in person and prodding him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. It was very funny because I emailed him like that morning before I left on my trip, and then I did not expect to see him at dinner that night. Aww. <laughs> well, that's great. Aw, thanks, John. The rest of you, <laughs> we're coming for you. Yes, that's right. We're going to make a trip specifically to, <laughs> to make you do a Rita's Theater thing. Yeah, going to harass all of you. Yes. All right, so I'm going to play these now. The following news items appeared in the Black Hills Daily Times, August 31st, 1880, and August 24th, 1881. The dirtiest little fling we have seen for some time was in the press last evening. It speaks of a man who has just served a term of one year in the penitentiary for the larceny of a horse returning. But it speaks of him as the man who in 1876, not 1877 as they put it, as putting his coat on Meyer Baum and sending him into a saloon to test the truth of the assertion the barkeeper had made to shoot the owner of the coat the first time he came in. Meyer Baum went in and was instantly killed, but the man who sent him in was Laughing Sam, and he is in the penitentiary and has been for two years, and will be for seven years more, and when he gets out there are four other indictments for him to answer to for highway robbery. (laughs) The man referred to by the press is a boy. Lawrence County is his home. He has expiated his crime and has returned to make an honest living, and no decent man would throw a straw in his way to prevent him from doing so, or would advertise his disgrace to the world. The James boys are the sons of a Methodist clergyman, prominent and much respected in Missouri thirty or forty years ago. 
All the wickedness suppressed in the father would seem to have broken out in the sons. Perhaps this, after all, is the usual result of the mastery of appetite or propensity of the parent. The desire or impulse he feels he manages by strength of will to successfully resist, but he imparts all its stored force to his unfortunate offspring. It is notorious that the children of apparently most excellent, and indeed of really excellent parents, are apt to turn out bad, and often the more conspicuous the filial badness, while biography is full of instances of the children of worthless and even depraved parents obtaining the highest honors in the best of social, commercial, scientific, or religious circles. That whole paragraph just jumbled my brain. It was hard to follow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was uh, super confusing. Um, <laughs> I, well, thanks, I, John. Yeah, thanks, John. <laughs> thanks, John, for reading such a complicated par- couple of paragraphs. <laughs> Maybe he got it. But that first one—that's that's interesting. Yeah, that the first one's interesting because that is a little plot element in this episode. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, is that the first was... time they used an anecdote that we know of from like an old newspaper and stuck it in the show? Hmm. I'm or not sure. It just happened to be uh, uh, coincidental. You think? No, yeah. that's too specific. A guy well, they must have found this in in their research when preparing the show, and thought, "Oh, that's yeah. that's funny. Let's let's make that a plot point." Uh, yeah. When I was finding articles, and I came across that headline, like, "Well, let me grab that because that's in the episode, and I'll play mm-hmm. it for this one." That's mm-hmm. cool. So, um, yeah, of course, it's in the show. It's Bummer Dan and Slippery Dan, and this is <laughs> <laughs> names are so funny. And and in this one, it's Meyer Bomb and Laughing Sam. I, but it's the same basic uh, concept. Put the code on the wrong guy, send him in, he gets killed. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. second paragraph, um, the title of that one was The Wickedness of the Minister's Sons, and basically says that um, bad kids can come from good parents and good kids can come from bad parents, which is, I don't know why that has to be stated. That's pretty, yeah. that's pretty obvious, right? Should be. <laughs> There's a there's a lot of people who always want to blame the parents for whatever. That's true. Okay, so maybe it was a uh, rebuke of someone else's assertion that, well, what did you expect from so so and so? Look at his parents. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or very often you'll hear something like, oh, you know, why didn't the parents figure this out before and do something about it or something like that? And yeah. You know, so. You the still hear that. Often, yeah, the parents are often blamed for not something that they have little to no control over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. get into the episode um fair warning that the beginning of this episode was there was a lot of cutting back and forth between things so i thought for at least the first half rather than go chronologically we're going to talk about it in sections based on the various plots we'll address the stagecoach and Joni, and then we're going to go on to the hotel with seth and alma and ellsworth and then al silas and dan and the gem before 
Mm -hmm. uh, before Tom Nuttall comes out and tells him about Bummer Dan. All right. That's that's the easiest way. So that's how we're going to handle this. Good. Okay. All right. (laughs) So this is episode 13, A Lie Agreed Upon, part one, written by David Milch, directed by Ed Bianchi, original air date, March 6, 2005. Now, according to the Wikipedia, it's 1877, seven months after the events of season one. I did a little breakdown of the timeline, and I'm, I've put the season one finale at about late August, or mm-hmm. at the very latest, early September. I would say that this is probably late April, maybe May, 1877. There's no snow on the ground, and according to the weather information I found, it snows in Deadwood. Usually about April is when the oh. snow stops. So I'm going to say it's late April, early May. But So when did we leave off last time? What date would it have been then? We just said. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I that's missed fine. the first part. Uh, sorry. I, I kind of went down episode by episode to figure out, like, well, is, is episode nine the next day after episode eight, et cetera, et cetera, trying to, if Wild Bill was murdered on August 2nd, you know, and there was that big time jump in the middle of the season mm. that, that we found out from between Trixie and Al when he says, uh, oh, you've been with the Dope Fiend for 10 days. So there was, there was that jump there. Mm. I would put it maybe August 18th was the finale. So Except, like uh, six, eight to eight months, I guess? It's in between. I'd say it's at least seven months, if not eight months. Yeah, okay. Because th- that makes sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, but obviously a lot has happened... In the interim, uh, first of all, Seth's family's en route. Uh, they're almost to the camp. Mm. Charlie became a deputy somehow. Yeah, that was weird. It, it was really weird because I felt like I was watching the pilot all over again where I was confused because we were being introduced to these new characters and then I was like, what's going on? All these storylines seem to have changed so much. What's going on here? Mm. I got really confused by this whole episode. <laughs> Well, good. We have stuff to talk about then. Yeah. <laughs> I, are we? Are we always going to skip over the winter? I want to see snow in Deadwood. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. But maybe yeah, bo- it's boring because <laughs> it's boring because then they're just stuck inside, shivering. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. There's a lot. There's less fun stuff outside. Yeah. Know, like, what are they going? I guess they could go. Uh, they could have a. Brawl. They could go snowshoeing, but I mean, how fun is that? They could have a brawl in the street in the snow. <laughs> they could, but is it a snowball fight. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> or they could build it. It could be one whole episode about building a snowman and finding supplies to build the snowman. They have a local a local law snowman building contest. <laughs> yes. In, in, they have they, a, a winter carnival. Yeah. They have a local law that says in the winter you have to put away your guns and you're only allowed to uh, duel with snowballs. <laughs> All right. That's, that's well, my, that's my maybe, head. Maybe it was a budgetary issue, sort of like, um, do we want to pay to make this a snowy set in California when we film? Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Or can we just skip over that and then therefore we have we can jump ahead a bit in the timeline? Yeah. Well, it's day and a stagecoach is uh, on its way into Deadwood. On the coach, a boy is ogling some women across from him, and his mother, I think we can assume, is looking rather cross. Uh, stop stop lo- looking at that lady's breasts. <laughs> also, there's the two commentaries on this episode. The first is from Ian McShane and Timothy Oliphant, and uh, Timothy Oliphant reveals that the whore in the middle is Brad Dourif's daughter. 
Oh. Oh. I yeah. don't recall what she looks like right no, now. No, me neither. That's okay. Uh, her name is Fiona Dorif. Hmm. Um, so yeah, Anna Gunn. <laughs> yep. Bad. I found myself confused in this scene because when both of the women looked so familiar to me, um, probably from other shows, that I immediately was, uh-oh, are these people, do I know these people from this show? Are these characters I've already seen? <laughs> and and I was really trying to figure out whether they were characters I already knew or whether I just knew the actresses from other shows, which seemed to be the case. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, Anna Gunn's pretty well known now because she played Skylar on Breaking Bad and Alice Krieg, uh, probably best known for playing the Borg Queen in First Contact. Oh, really? But she's I... been in a lot of things, too. Is she the one... Um... Oh, never mind. I'm thinking of someone someone else. Later in the episode, we're introduced to somebody who's in American Horror Story. Yeah, Sarah Paulson. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Did you immediately think, oh, this is Seth's wife and child, or were you just like, oh, no. there's a, a woman and a, and a boy? No, I did not. I did I not. I didn't know. Until later. Hmm. I believe... Um, I believe the note I took was, oh, crap, it's Bullock's wife and kid. Oh, really? <laughs> and they revealed. When it was real, revealed. Oh, when it was revealed. Okay. Yeah, not at this point. Yeah, I don't remember I, yeah. what I originally thought. I don't think it took us too long to figure it out, though, but I didn't think about that right away. Hmm. No, I think it's probably the next time we see them where he's... Oh, when, you won't see Mr. Bullock yeah, in the creek. Then you're like, after, oh. After he farted that I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> He farted. And then He's annoying. Like, He's got to be Seth's adopted you, son. You're like, you farted. He must be related to. <laughs> I don't. No. Don't get that connection. But yeah. Um, uh, as as they're going by in the coach, some men are putting up a telegraph line. I missed that. Yeah, we're gonna come back to the uh, the stagecoach in a second. But at the Bella Union, Joni knocks on Lila's door. If you recall, this is the cinematographer's daughter. From the previous episode, she's the one who saw to Alma's father after he was beaten. Uh, uh, Joni invites her to wait for the stagecoach, which is carrying Joni's friends. This is kind of an awkward exchange between the two of them. I don't know why. How so? Well, Joni seemed really awkward. She was like, uh, if you, well, you want to, you know, hang out with uh, me or anything, you know? <laughs> is it, it's probably just because she's nervous because she now she has she soon has to tell Cy mm. that she's leaving. Mm. I thought she was just nervous about uh, making a friendship with this woman. I don't know. At first. I didn't know what was going on there. Could be. Yeah. No, I think you're right, uh, Matt, that she's nervous because she bought that building back in November and she hasn't told him. And now the coach is finally coming and it's like, all right, we're going to pull that Band-Aid off and see what happens. And hey, maybe if I take Lila with me, it'll be a little like we won't be alone. So... I don't know. Yeah, that's true. And we find out that Eddie's just gone. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no satisfying no conclusion. explanation there. Do you think he'll be back though? Uh, he will. Oh, I don't, think, crazy. I don't think. Yeah, he yeah. shouldn't show his face. Although he might, because you know it's a show and people do stupid things in TV shows. Mm. <laughs> he left his hat. I have to go back for my hat. <laughs> <laughs> He should just get someone else to get his hat for him. <laughs> uh, in joke. 
Matt just got it. <laughs> Seth arrives at Alma's hotel room. Sophia's with her tutor. This is Sarah Paulson. I knew her originally from um, American Gothic. I knew her from the Sorkin show about the television series. Studio 60 and the Sunset Strip. That's the one. And, of course, now she's probably best known for American Horror Story. But she's been in a lot of stuff. If you want to see her in a really funny movie, um, she's in the Ewan McGregor, Renee Zellweger comedy, the the one in the 60s. What's that one called? I don't know. Back in the 60s. She was in 12 Years a Slave as well. Oh, yes. That's not so funny. I'm I'm looking it up. It's not a funny movie, no. (laughs) It'll make you cry. (laughs) (laughs) These actresses who showed up in this episode just makes me down with love oh it's a really cute movie uh she's in that one and she plays uh she plays a fun character in that these actresses who are well known for other things now showing up in this show just makes me look forward to seeing more people that i'm familiar with pop up and be like oh that person from this thing yeah it seems like a lot of these people have gone on to do other cool stuff so mm-hmm. it's not like these these actors weren't working before they were cast in Deadpool. No. They're but... just and I think the reason why you see them in a lot of stuff is cuz they're just really good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only the best for this show. <laughs> <laughs> so Sophia uh, is escorted out of the room by her tutor. Seth uh, shows Alma invoices regarding her claim. Apparently she's worth quite a lot. Then after they conclude their business, they to borrow EB's phrasing consult. <laughs> Yeah, and... like, later on after this was over, it was like I realized that there was a whole flirting thing going on there with the um oh you're worth much more than that. Aww. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. That's kind of nice. You're yeah. Worth, I yeah, I think he says your worth is considerably more. Yeah. Aww. This yeah. is this is what you have or something, but your worth is considerably more. Something like that. Ooh. And she just melts, her eyes just melt. And you know, I was just watching it to watch it, but much later I was thinking about it. It's like, oh, wait a second. He was, like, flirting he was outrageously. Give, he, he was giving her a line. He was so I love him. I think on our commentary we were like, why is this so weird? Like, why are they so, like, awkward? Yeah, they oh, there so, they go. There it goes. Stiff <laughs> and serious for a minute, and then it was like, ah, oh, let's get into this now. <laughs> Well, they got to go through the motions of pretending to be proper people before they can finally uh, let go of their inhibitions. Let go and let everyone else know in the saloon that whatever yeah. or whatever hotel or whatever it is. Yeah. So, do you guys think that uh, they realize that everybody can hear everything they're doing? Uh, I, I, I'm sure they've heard other people do it upstairs. One would How could think. they not? How could they not? Because they've never rutted so. Uh, uh, feverishly as these two, uh, maybe. <laughs> Rutted. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, downstairs, Ellsworth has arrived at the hotel. Alma's gold is ready for shipment to Denver, and as they fuck, plaster from the ceiling rains down upon poor <laughs> Sophia's head. That was hilarious. Is it is it too ridiculous, or is it just is it just funny? Is I, it, my favorite part I liked it too. The paint out of Sophia's hair. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty uh, great. I don't think it's ridiculous at all, considering that they're talking about having put up these buildings within, you know, like, how long did it take them to build that hardware store? Like, four days? There's no insulation in between the rafters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no soundproof anything in there. 
<laughs> you can hear every conversation ever. And every, you know, fuck ever. <laughs> Mo- there was another commentary with Molly Parker and Anna Gunn, and Molly Parker said, you know, when filming this, I did not know that downstairs the plaster would be coming down from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, now she knows. Just like the character didn't know. <laughs> right. I've got a quote here from, from Molly Parker. <laughs> What I really think happens between them is an obsessive love. For her, the junk is replaced by this man. Once they get together, I think they spend the next six months in bed. When we come back at the beginning of season two, they're just eating each other in a dark room. It's not that different from being a junkie. I guess not. Love junkie. Love junkie. Uh, What I thought was ridiculous about this whole thing was the fact that she was naked in one part, and then the next time you see her, she's got this weird little doily vest on. From what we could tell... From what I could tell. Mm, maybe so the, why would you put a doily vest on in between lovemaking? Like, right in the, you know, you're in the middle of this. and then... I don't know. Maybe Molly Parker has a no nudity clause? No, in the first shot, you can see her boobs. Um, and you can see her pool. boobs. You can see her boobs when she's just laying there, too. Maybe well, there's a done. Maybe after the, after the sex, it's a little chilly. And she has to put a... Yeah. No, it was during. On. So there was one... <laughs> One scene. You've given it more thought than me. She's completely naked. You can see her shoulders and everything. And then the next time they cut to them, she's wearing this doily vest and they're still having sex. And then after they're done, she's still wearing the vest. So there's continuity there, but at the first there wasn't. The vest you keep keep talking about, I believe, is her underwear. That's her camisole. Is that that what it is? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I didn't know what it was. I'm so not familiar th- with olden times underwear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's olden times underwear. That's well, that's good your homework. Supposed <laughs> to look at olden times underwear now. <laughs> right. But I, I think you might be right that there was a continuity problem. I didn't notice the... I noticed the naked, and then I noticed at the end, when they were, she was just lying there, that she had the camisole bit. on. Yeah. But... You know, I figured, okay, so he's kind of getting dressed, and I guess she kind of started <laughs> she half-heartedly. Started, but she stopped. Maybe half-heartedly getting dressed and decided to be kind of, you know, on the other hand, I will put on just a little bit and leave it open and kind of be. Well, maybe she was trying to do this, like, just reveal a little bit while still being seductive, or, you know, reveal a little bit and just to kind of tease him still. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you're probably more right that there was a continuity problem, and maybe they they had filmed so. it with maybe they filmed the naked part later or something. They decided to spice it up some more. Or... I, I'd like to think that when they cut away, uh, Seth and Alma were putting their clothes back on, and they only got like halfway, halfway dressed, dressed, where they're like, "Let's oh. go again." Maybe. Can you maybe. go again? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the way they're acting, that definitely could make sense. Mm. That yes. is not out of the question. But I thought that scene where she was just laying there it was very painterly. It was very pretty. Mm-hmm. I think I'd mentioned that in the commentary too. He should have been like, "I have to draw you." You mentioned <laughs> her. <laughs> you mentioned her pit hair. They mentioned that in the commentary as well. Yeah, the pit hair, which is nice. Authentic. It's nice. It's authentic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pit hair. The pit she hair. Oh, oh, her armpit hair. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I I noticed that, and I was glad that uh, they'd been authentic there. That they made her grow her armpit hair out. <laughs> Unless it was makeup. Mm, maybe it's a little hair piece. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they CGI'd armpit hair. 
Aww. I want it to be a little hair piece of armpit hair. Well, if if makeup people can put beards on guys like one little stubble at a time. <laughs> Silas's sideburns. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love it. <laughs> then uh, they can certainly put, you know, armpit hair on women. Titus Welliver was allergic to these. Let's see if we can put them on um, Molly Parker's armpits. Let's see if they <laughs> repurpose them. Oh, that's great. Well, after they conclude their consultation, Alma asks if Seth is sometimes happy. Does he have post-coital guilt? Seth says whenever he intends to do something, his thoughts are only about her and her beautiful toes. He tells her, so often with you, I've been perfectly happy. And then Ellsworth knocks. Should he start loading the gold? Yes. Yes, load the gold. Sure. Load the gold, leave us alone. Yes. I all, was at just, all other times, I'm filled with rage. I was just happy he didn't start <laughs> sucking her toes when he said her toes were beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I, was, I thought that was a weird part of her body to focus on. It was right in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, whatever. I'm guessing he was trying to indicate that um, even her toes are... Are beautiful. Even the ugly, the part of your body that should be the ugliest is actually kind of nice. <laughs> Even your hoof is <laughs> attractive. <laughs> Look at these little biggies. <laughs> wiggle, wiggle. <laughs> Over at the gem, Silas informs Al that the hills will be divided into three counties with commissioners from Yankton appointed by the governor, Governor Pennington. Dan offers to murder the commissioners. <laughs> Silas has a letter from the governor, which Al has to read with a magnifying glass. The letter basically says, Hope there's no hard feelings that I appointed men who are from Yankton, who you don't know. Thanks in advance for your support. Signed, the governor. Al asks, What am I supposed to make of this? Silas says, The governor is unsure if Al has all the angles or all the angles covered or angles other than slitting throats, so he's just proceeding cautiously. It's um, It's a little confusing, I will admit. Mm-hmm. Probably had to watch this a few times before I kind of got what he's saying, but um, you know, yeah, this is the same. This is the same issue as last season, which is that Yankton, they're the the power of the of the area. They're responsible for taking that money that's supposed to be sent to uh, Indians for reparations. They've been pilfering that. What's going to happen when they come into Deadwood? They're going to start stealing from Al. That's what Al's worried about, and he doesn't like that the people put in charge are the governor's men. Not anyone he knows, and I just like that Dan is being super helpful and saying, "Well, I could just kill them." All He's like you. a serial killer. He just wants yeah, to Dan kill seems everyone. more bloodthirsty than he used to be. Mm. Ah, I think I mentioned it last season that he's he's always up for killing someone. Well, Dan is being su- supplanted by—is that the word? By Silas, at least this yeah. is how he feels. Yeah. So he's kind of like, "Oh, they need to be killed. Uh, I- I'll kill them for you." He's very. Um, you yeah. don't like those telegraph poles? I'll tear them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever you, whatever you need, Al, I'm here. That's, he wants to be the top guy. It's a little desperate. It's a little sad. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I have a funny quote from W. Earl Brown, who plays Dan. He says, Dan Doherty is basically my uncle. He doesn't <laughs> like hearing it, but I tell him, I just get up there and I pretend to be you. I grew up in Kentucky, and my mom's side of the family, they were men's men. 
Once, when I was sitting around talking to my uncle about his younger years, he told me, Man, I used to love to fight. Man, loved it. If I couldn't fuck on a weekend, I'd pick a fight. Perfect weekend, I'd fuck some woman and I'd fight some man. That was a perfect weekend. Wow. Granddaddy threw a chainsaw at me once in a fit of rage. He didn't mean to hit me. If he had meant to, he would have. I was griping too much and not working hard enough. I shut up and got the load on the truck in record time. His rage would overcome him. I mean, literally. He wasn't drunk. His eyes would go wide. His pupils would dilate. I saw it three or four times in the course of my life, and if you saw it, you better get away. That behavior was bullshit because it hurt everyone around him. I knew I wasn't going to be like that. But it comes to me genetically. I had to be aware of my temper when I got older. I still do. Wow. So he's drawing from uh, personal experience. That's really cool. To to well, play this kind of kind of guy, this... Where the anger rises up. It's neat that uh, he realize it, realizes it himself that he could potentially be that guy. But he could kind of channel that guy through acting. That's kind of neat. I've, I've been reading a lot from W. Earl Brown on Twitter and Facebook. Seems like a great guy. Yeah. Al goes out on the balcony. He's annoyed by these telegraph poles. Uh, Dan says, it's a faster version of sending letters. Al cracks, when's the last time you were sent a letter? He says, bad news about Pa. Yeah, bad news. This is a speedier version of bad news. <laughs> so Dan says, I could turn him into kindling. Again, super helpful. <laughs> As the men load Elma's gold onto the wagon, Al ponders, does Bullock think these men with the guns will keep him from stealing that gold? Dan says, maybe it's a precaution against other operators, Al's like, other operators fear me and your knife, so this is just further evidence that Bullock isn't thinking because he's so cunt-struck. <laughs> Al is annoyed that Seth is proving out to be a useless ally. Perhaps to get a donkey's attention, he should bring a pole down between its ears. So what What did he want from Seth? What, did, what was he expecting? Good question. Discuss. <laughs> I, I was wondering that same thing, and part of me wondered whether... He's blowing all of this out of proportion just because he's really upset with the governor and he can't do anything to the governor and the commissioners. Mm. But he can pick a fight with Seth Bullock. Mm. Also, also, this episode makes me think he has a urinary tract infection. <laughs> <laughs> with his uh, pain in his side and his inability to pee. Mm. Or then he's got kidney stones. Something. Yeah. There's also a moment where later on Jewel will bring down the gun and badge that Seth left and said, I found these while cl cleaning your piss pot. And he, Al just immediately says, well, if you were wondering why there was nothing in it, it's because I pissed over the balcony. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Covering for... Covering for an inability to urinate? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Al is in bad shape this episode. He's <laughs> in horrible shape. <laughs> and then... Yeah. And then Seth falls on him. <laughs> I'm like, oh, your bladder probably just exploded. <laughs> I also wondered if he was jealous of um, Seth's relationship with uh, Alma. What? Why would he be? Well, this is going to sound weird, but when we left them seven months before, he was, Al was kind of all upset about... Um, Trixie? Uh, what's her name? Um, Trixie? Trixie, thank you. Trixie's relationship with Seth. And the fact that she apparently is going, looking for whatever, you know, sex, love, you know, affection, whatever, in 
a man's arms, um, whereas he's got to tell women, you know, that he buys, you know, what to do and et cetera, et cetera. And then he's got Seth, who has two respectable women um, who apparently want him that he doesn't need to buy and he doesn't need to boss around and who are both, you know, independent. What, what women do you mean? I mean Alma and his wife. I don't think his wife wants him. Well, True. Al doesn't hasn't even seen his wife yet. Yeah. Al just knows that he's married. Yeah. And he's and got... That, and he's Alma. having sex with a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I think it may be a factor to his uh, irritability, but I think it's probably more that he feels like the camp is being taken away from him and he was hoping for an ally and Seth has just been useless because he's just... Yeah, I mean, I I think you're absolutely right, but I I wouldn't be surprised if if part of it is that Al has been just really annoyed by being right across the street from Alma and Seth you know, going at it like bunnies all winter long. Yeah. I mean, maybe he does say that the, um, oh, I'm not going to say the quote because it's my, my quote for later, but uh, he's he's not happy with Seth and this whole relationship. And, and he starts demeaning Elma. Right. Oh, she's just a cunt. You know, she, you know you're infatuated with her cunt. That's, right. you know, there's, there's plenty of that. Don't, and right. Seth is like, no, stop talking about her that way. This relationship means something to me. Stop stop telling me that I'm deluded thinking I can have a relationship. I don't want to hear the truth right now. And I'm not sure that Al has, you know, whether Al has ever, ever had anything like a relationship that a, a woman has willingly entered into with him without there being some kind of reward that she was looking for, whether it's a lack of physical abuse or payment the the strange thing about all this tension between al and seth it it although they are trying to explain it it still feels like it's coming out of nowhere because we haven't seen the last seven months mm-hmm. right so i, I didn't f- realize it was seven months too i i figured it was because uh, he said something about last summer but i figured it was like a couple months or something but right, right. i know it's at least past november mm-hmm. because that's when Joni bought her building and right. again we talked about the weather so it's probably late April, but uh, it's it does feel like out of nowhere, even though they are trying to explain it. Mm. So, yeah, it's kind of like because it's a premiere. I mean, I kind of expected that if it didn't take up right where it left off, it's a matter of. I think on a premiere for a season, you always kind of feel like you've been dropped into the middle of something and trying to figure it. Okay, now where are we now? What's, you know, right? It, it when puts, are we? What's been puts going the on? Veterans on the same page as possibly new viewers who are tuning in for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all kind of a little lost in trying to figure out, you know, where we are in, in the story. But, right. Um, as uh, Seth walks out of the hotel, Al throws some shade his way. I'm, I'm borrowing that expression from the kids. I've never said it in my entire life. <laughs> that's what he's doing. <laughs> And uh, Seth and Al, they have a little, little stare down, they exchange some words, and that's when Tom Nuttall runs up. Bummer, Dan has been killed. Huh. <laughs> All right, there's, too so, many, there's too many Dans in this <laughs> There's Well, there's one fewer now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is what happens. 
Slippery Dan was filling the cuspidor, meaning spittoon with piss. The bartender, Harry, yelled at Slippery, Stop pissing in that spittoon. That's when Slippery pissed at Harry over the bar. Harry's shirt is urine sop still. Harry warned Slippery, You come back in here before dawn tomorrow and I'll shoot you dead. Slippery thought it would be amusing to put his coat on Bummer and send him in his stead. He figured Harry would only wing Bummer. Unfortunately, Harry killed Bummer. Slippery calls this the worst joke he's ever played, you think? Uh-huh. <laughs> Seth lets both men go with a warning. I didn't understand this. Because the okay. end result was what neither man intended. In, he wants to get back to Al. He wants to get back to Elma. These guys are just irritating. He's not doing his job. <laughs> letting a lot of things go. Yeah, he's letting a lot of things go. He's not being a proper sheriff. But I know skipping it's a ahead. lawless. I still know it's a lawless town. But I mean, skipping ahead, he let he let the the shooting of his best friend go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like uh, mm. I didn't really like his sheriff. This episode, I didn't either. This was kind of like, well, we all learned an important lesson about assuming too much. Mm. We just have I... to live with it ourselves. All right, bye. Yeah, this is what we call manslaughter. I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer, but and I don't know if uh, Harold would agree, but I'm pretty sure this is manslaughter, which I looked up is the definition of the unlawful killing of a human without any deliberation, caution, circumspection. Accidental killing, basically. Yeah, basically, I mean, not everyone who dies you can, can you blame, but in this case, neither person exercised judgment, so they're both they both should share some blame for for this guy's death. Yeah, and Seth chooses not to assign any blame. Mm-hmm. Seems lazy. It it is. Yeah, it is lazy, yeah. and he is taking. Well, I think we had a bit of a discussion about this during our commentary, but. He's taking breaks in the middle of the day to go have sex, but I'm assuming that he works during the evening as well, because that would would be when people are drunk, right? Mm, probably. So I don't know when he doesn't work. Maybe and Al was kind of giving him a hard time to uh, because he wasn't working, he was having sex on the job, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know, it's kind of... Yeah, maybe this is just more evidence of Al's... Why Al is so annoyed with Seth? It's like you're mm. not doing your job. I mean, yeah. I I helped you become sheriff so that you could do things for me and for the camp. You're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. You're just living in a fantasy land with this woman. And Seth's like, I don't want to hear it right now. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I think once you take on the job of sh- sheriff, it's kind of like being the doctor of the town. You kind of have to be available at all times. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That's why he got rid of it before, probably. Mm, Just, yeah, he's not yeah. good. At it. <laughs> he's not good at it. He's probably can be good at it. He's just distracted right now. Yeah. It's probably why he made Charlie the deputy. <laughs> what happens? I, I, do do my work for me. I yeah. think even Charlie was getting a bit frustrated. With I've him. never seen Charlie fire a gun. Is he even good at it? Mm, assuming question. so. And he, he hung out with Wild Bill. I'm assuming he would yeah, be but somewhat half decent. Is Charlie's shipping business kaput? No. He, eh, probably not. He's pro- Maybe he's expanded and he's got other people. Everyone's delegating things. Mm. Yeah. I, I, had a, I had assumed, and maybe I was wrong, that um, it was Charlie's shipping business that was sending the, the gold. So mm. he might have ended up a deputy <laughs> because of being, uh, needing to do security for his own shipments. Maybe being deputy. I don't know. Uh, that could be it. I know that the Pinkertons were in the gold protection business, but I doubt that they have Pinkertons in this town. They don't want them. 
No. no. So much was made about not wanting them. I doubt that they would entrust them with Alma's gold. Mm. No. Yeah. But as we talked about in the that article that uh, John read for us, that Sam Young was a bartender. He shot Meyer Baum, a.k.a. Bummer Dan, mistaking him for Laughing Sam because Baum was wearing Laughing Sam's coat. Young wa- was, in, in fact, prosecuted for this shooting, the bartender. Hmm. Good. E.B. Farnham was a witness at the trial. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. No. Hmm. What was he doing in the bar? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Who knows? That Barnum, he was everywhere. <laughs> Our friend Soapy is once again boasting. Soap, Soap, surprise <laughs> inside. Seth says, you were told to keep a distance of 25 paces between yourself and legitimate merchants. He grabs Soapy and drags him down the thoroughfare. We're going to count the paces. <laughs> One, two, three, four. That was funny. That was. It was. I enjoyed the seeing Soapy again. It's always nice to see Soapy. He shows up at the very end, too. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, Seth is yeah. walking toward the hotel, and Soapy is... Uh, soap with a prize. Oh, he's got kind of, <laughs> ducks. Oh. Yeah, he kind of lets it go. <laughs> mm. Again, soapy. he let something else go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Soapy. <laughs> I think that was the only time that Seth did his job. It was the first time he encountered Soapy. But I'm wondering, is Seth giving up on, like, has it been really tough being a sheriff there? Because I feel like maybe people aren't listening to what he's saying, so he's just giving up, maybe. Does he even have a jail? Yeah. Yeah, that was another thing that I was wondering with, as far as solving that whole problem with the guys who, you know, killed a, killed the other guy and all. It's like, okay, does he have a jail? Where does he put him to the trial? Do they are they still like locking him up in a meat locker? Or <laughs> he puts him on a stool and makes him face the corner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what are his resources as far as actually enforcing the law, other than you know shooting somebody? Sit here for five minutes and think about <laughs> what he did. <laughs> That's basically what he did. Yeah. Well, I, I guess they are all kind of children because they're all drunk. All the time, so people that are drunk often act a little childish. So. Oh, yeah. Well, it's been seven months, so maybe some of these questions will get answered. Uh, mm. Later on, we'll fill in these blanks. And... That's right. On the balcony of the Bella Union, Cy finds Joni and Lila waiting for the stagecoach from Bismarck. Cy's excitement for the new arrivals causes a tingling sensation at the bottom of his balls. Gross. <laughs> On the stagecoach, William fixes the air. We learn that the boy's father is Sheriff Bullock. Aha! This is Seth's family en route to Deadwood. They ride past Jane, who is drunk on her horse. Cocksuckers! That was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah I've got, in my just... notes, I've got one line right after the other. First, oh crap, it's Bullock's wife and kid. Hey, Jane! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I wonder if she even ever left. <laughs> She's just drunk on her horse the entire time. <laughs> Throughout the winter? Yes. She was just. She uh, woke up long enough to muster the strength to put a blanket on top of herself. She hibernated like a bear. She I, say, I like to think she hibernated in a cave and then now she's out on the. Aww. She's made it this far. She, she slept next to her horse to keep warm. Mm-hmm. Aww. I like it. I tried to find evidence that the term fixing the air was an actual expression for farting. I even searched my favorite book, Flappers to Rappers, American Youth Slang. I couldn't find anything. (laughs) Fixing the air. Fixing the air. On the commentary, Anna Gunn reveals that two weeks before she started filming, she was thrown from a horse and fractured (gasps) her sacrum. 
What? What's that? Her sacrum, her, her sacrum, her tail, tailbone. Oh, okay. Yeah, basically a bone at the base of the spine, the upper yeah. part of the pelvic cavity. Oh. She thought it was ironic since she was about to do a western, and she was saying, "Well, I can." It helps me imagine what people must have felt like riding stagecoaches back then, with just the, all the jostling. Like it would be so uncomfortable mm. to cover to go such a long distance and have to feel like that. So yeah. she was sympathetic to them as well. Mm. That boy likes his uh, older women. That's sure what does. I uh, said in the commentary. <laughs> he really, really likes older women. As nope. soon as they mentioned, oh, there's a little girl here. Uh, she's younger than you. He was like, bleh. <laughs> I don't want her. <laughs> yeah, I like my ladies. And they have to be at least 13 or 14. How Come you on. doing? Yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, that's just too young. <laughs> My God, he's going to be in his element, though, with the, all the whorehouses there. Mm-hmm. That kid's going to love it. I think there's going to be a plot where, where'd William go? And they find him in the Bella Union. Just surrounded by women. He's going to become, <laughs> he's going to become the protege of the titty licker. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yes! The titty licker's going to take him under his wing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to train him in the ways of titty licking. <laughs> <laughs> Seth heads up to Al's office. Charlie walks into the gym. He eyes Dan. Silas and Johnny have been instructed by Al to keep their distance. Trixie fetches Saul at the hardware store. She tells him Seth was called out across the thoroughfare. Saul grabs a teeny tiny gun from a drawer. <laughs> tiny. Yeah. Is that a Derringer? That's a lady's gun. It's a purse. They say it's a purse gun. Yeah. I don't know, that, I don't know exactly. It's, it's a tiny, little tiny, tiny gun. No. Well, you know, it might be good to have a tiny, tiny gun, because then you can hide it wherever. <laughs> if he gets to fire it, I want him to go pew pew. Oh! <laughs> you put think he puts it like in his between his breasts? No. <laughs> <laughs> he puts it in his cleavage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I don't like about this scene is that Trixie has barely said anything before Saul has mm. immediately like he reacts, like he's getting ready to leave before she's even finished the first three words. And it obviously the actor knows what he's going to do. John Hawks knows what he has to do, but I don't think the character would know. Well, it makes me think that that they've been expecting this for a long time. Like trouble. Like uh, they were that they were that the trouble's been brewing over all these months and that they, they know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even Seth and uh, Al seem to be like, you know, expecting that, okay, now the time has come for us to fight. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, this is why you're here, you know, let's get it over with. <laughs> well, she goes in, he says, good morning, and she says, if, you, if you'd if you spare your... And all of a sudden, he's he's leaving. That's like, it's been like three or four words. It seems, if you'd spare a partner a gutting, Mr. Star, you mm. might make your way to, your, to the gem. Then he would get in motion. Mm. It just seems a little premature. Go back, watch the scene. It seems, it's like okay. a little weirdly... All right. Anyway, it, it bothered me. Okay. So I wanted to complain about it. Okay. No, I, I well that that was I just kind of made an excuse for it. But I didn't really notice how fast it was. No. I didn't either. Al asks Seth, is Alma shipping her gold to Denver or does she plan to invest some of it in the camp, do her civic duty? Seth scoffs, keep her gold in the camp with no law or government? I was like, yeah, it's time for the two of you to start pulling your weights around here. Yankta's making a play for all of our stuff. 
If you'd sheath your prick long enough, you can help me see the angles that I'm missing. Seth is getting angry. He doesn't like Al demeaning Alma by referring to her as just a cunt. Because he, he's in love. Aww. Go. Seth Aww. removes his badge and gun. Are we going to throw down? Yeah, we're throwing down. Mm. <laughs> and then they scuffle, they tussle, and they go over the balcony. Wee. That, that shocked me. I know it yeah. did. I listened to your commentary. <laughs> like, oh, they're fighting. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> actually, actually, that's the next line in my thing is, whoa! <laughs> that's in my nose. <laughs> it was more like, wee! <laughs> uh, over, the, over the balcony we go. It was great. And, and also, I think if Trixie wanted the guys to stay out of, out of this, maybe she shouldn't have said, they've gone over the balcony. Yeah. Because what happens? Like, six men get their guns and run outside. Mm. Yeah. Maybe she should have sidled up to Saul and, been, and poked him in the, in the ribs and been like, dude, go outside right now. <laughs> yeah. Poor so judgment did, on, in, on all parts. On, on all parts, yeah. No one's, no one's thinking very clearly right now. No. I, I mean, I have a feeling that that's kind of her job, is to keep everybody informed on things like this. Um... <laughs> But, yeah. Yeah. Dan runs outside, slams the butt of his gun against the back of Seth's head. Silas drags Dan away. Johnny gets excitable, and he shoots Saul and Charlie. My God. Oh, yeah, that was... That was nuts. Shocking. I thought Saul... Yeah, like, things just, like, went crazy, like, in a span of uh, 30 seconds. Yeah, Yeah. I thought they were both going to be dead. Well, you could see pretty easily that Charlie just got winged, but Saul, I was like, oh, he's dead. Oh, no. Yeah, that was way too close to the heart. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like the shoulder when it first happened. Uh-uh. That's not where the the bullet hole seemed to be in the... And of course, I don't know whether his arms were up or what, but... Mm. Yeah. Al produces a knife. He moves to stab Seth, but then he catches William's eye and his hand is stayed. Martha and William get off the stagecoach. Mm-hmm. Seth uh, greets them, then passes out. Good timing. Yes, and Al had the best greeting for them. Yes, it's where we got the title of our first podcast, mm-hmm. our intro episode. Welcome to fucking Deadwood. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this, I guess I'll mention it now. It's just Seth, I don't think we saw him react at all throughout the entire episode to Saul being shot, did we? No. There was he a little lack of concern, I suppose. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't check how he was. He didn't speak to him at all. I don't think he didn't even acknowledge that he'd been shot. Well, he well, passes right. out, and then he's when he wakes up, he's woozy. Yeah, yeah. he's in the yeah, same. Well, he's in the same room as Saul. He. Did, I don't think he asks how he's, he's going to be. He doesn't yeah, go talk did, to him. He doesn't. And he did kind of look his way. I don't think yeah. he's got drain damage. Do you think he even? <laughs> he, did he even realize what happened? He, he must, did. He, he must have later because he's in the same room with him. Well, he maybe he figured he would be okay, but I I don't know. I guess I just well, thought you know he'd be more concerned for his friend. <laughs> maybe next episode he'll go up to Saul. You know, in all the chaos of what's happening, I forgot to ask how you were doing. I feel like I'm sorry. <laughs> well, my my take on it, my take on it was that I mean, right? Like, okay. When Saul is actually shot, he's in the middle, his back is to Saul, and he's in the middle of this fight with Al, and gets hit, or has he already been hit on the head? He's already been hit on the head by then. Mm. So he's hit on the head before Saul is shot, 
And then his wife and kids show up after, while well, he's still semi pulling out of it, and a guy is about to stab him in the back, and he knows it. And then he's just trying to stay upright long enough to make his, the kid not think he's dead. And then he proceeds to not be upright anymore. <laughs> so he's, he's kind of, by the time he comes to in the, uh, in the store, Saul's so already been talking to the doc and stuff. And he's probably been kind of, as he comes out of his, his, uh, coma, he, uh, probably has figured out what's what around him slowly. Yeah, I guess we can give him a pass, sort of. It would have been nice to see a little more concern, but of course this was a very... I mean, most episodes take place in the course of a day, and this is like half a day, and that's that's why there's a, this is a two-parter. Mm. If you were wondering, it's because the second part is going to be the second half of the day. So there's still time for Seth to... Uh, be more of a friend to Saul. And Saul, Saul always seems to be more of a friend to Seth. The friendship seems a little, you know, one-sided sometimes. Yeah. But um, a quote here from David Milch. When Swearingen says, sheathe your prick about Bullock's destructive involvement with Alma, Bullock must strike him because it is, a, it is his own soul speaking to him in the form of this grotesque little man. Bullock doesn't want to believe that his soul can be housed in that sort of seeing his uh, own, the thoughts that he's had uh -huh. projected back at him from Al. Huh. Joni's friend Maddie climbs off the coach. This is the board queen. Sai <laughs> uh, is surprised to see her. He thought she had taken her snatch to New York. <laughs> Maddie has come to Deadwood to help Joni with her brothel. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know you got, you, that, that was still happening. <laughs> Joni's like, yeah, I bought the building in November. Oh, that's interesting. With what money? Since your fuck money has been going to Jewel since you were 14. Joni asks to speak to Sai in private. What do we uh, think of the way that Sai was treating Maddie? Mm, he's just an awful person in general. Yeah. I just, just had no context for their history. Yeah, and I don't, I didn't quite know who she was. Uh, I was like, alright, mm. she's a friend, but, like, I don't know. I, I don't know much about her. She doesn't seem to be much different from how he treats everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Does he have friends? No. No. He, has a, he was so gross this episode. Probably the grossest we've ever seen him. Uh, yeah. He's saying a lot. Yeah. I got the feeling she was she was uh, like a threat. Like she she uh, had been you know probably a madam somewhere or you know that mm -hmm. she was that uh, she was an independent woman who who uh, was capable of having her own place already. Unlike Joni, who was just starting out. Mm -hmm. I guess that would threaten him, especially because he likes to have control over people. So yeah, yeah. Now she, now she's Joni's building allies, gaining allies. Yeah, she's got three whores coming out. She's got her friend who may have experience running girls. I don't know if Sai knows about Charlie. He's losing power. He's losing, yeah, control over her, and there she's withholding information from him. So it's pretty ugly. I was kind of surprised he didn't kill her right there. 
Well, he later on he says, "I could kill you, but how could I really live without you?" Yeah. <laughs> so, and and she's like, "Yeah, why try?" <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of his insults toward Maddie kind of just Maddie just let them slide. She just had a smile on her face, like whatever you say. She knows what he's like. Yeah. Um, what would you say? Acquitted herself well. Yeah, she did handle it beautifully, you have to admit. But yeah, she's probably heard all kinds of things from men if she's been working in this kind of business. So I got the feeling that she's been she has been living on the edge for her whole life. Mm. She's used to that moment where she's either going to charm them into not killing her or she's gonna get, you know, killed and she knows it and so it's nothing new for her. Mm-hmm. She's found a way to deal with it. Yeah. Barney the barber is trying to bandage Al, but Al is having none of it. Dan complains that Silas restrained him. Johnny is feeling shame over shooting Saul. He's very concerned for, for the Jewish fella. Aww. Johnny, on behalf of the audience, says, What was that fight even about? <laughs> <laughs> and Dan says, Al is calling Seth to the fold. Um, is this the scene where they mention that the doctor's in another town? I I couldn't tell yeah. if it was another town or if it if he was in another part of the camp that just had a name. Oh. It sounds like he's become a traveling doctor. Called Doc what... back from blank. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I got the feeling it was a town, but it could have been some other part of town. Yeah, because he wasn't in this episode at all. Yeah, he was. Was he? He didn't yeah. say anything. I don't think. I don't remember. He was seeing to the wounded. He was. Wait, yeah, wait. he was seeing to Saul. Oh, the other. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Just not Al's. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And Al was very annoyed about it. Just couldn't remember seeing him. The other guys were shot. That's right. Call Doc back from Whitewood, or Doc needs to come back from Whitewood. Whitewood is, let's see. It's in the same county. Uh, 23 minutes by car. It's 15.8 miles. That's a day's ride. Yeah, that's that's pretty far, considering... You that fast, then. Yeah, because they said get the doc, and that was right after the fight, and then this seems to be five, ten minutes later at the most. Maybe he was already on his way back. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, maybe they went to get him, and he's like, I'm right here. <laughs> okay, we were just about to get you. Really? I'm I'm just right here. What good timing. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm making a lot of excuses for this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I mean, the timing is just kind of weird all over yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah. It's not right. Continuity, weird. Timing, weird. Yeah. Or they just really weren't expecting you to look up how far... <laughs> Whitewood and Deadwood are. Yeah. Well, they, they don't took, know us. They We're took very artistic, thorough. <laughs> they took artistic liberties. They did. <laughs> Back at the Bella Union, we learn that Joni's father sold her to Sai for six and a half bucks. It's doubtful she has a rich relation, so where did that money for that building come from? A farewell gesture from Eddie Sawyer. So yeah, that was disappointing to hear that he he's just gone. <laughs> yeah, I I wonder if if once they decided to skip ahead seven months, they realized Eddie. I, either we make Eddie really poor at being a con man and stealing from Sai, or we have to just get him off the show because there's no way he would stick around after he steals all that money. And Sai, if Sai didn't catch on, then Sai looks stupid. Mm-hmm. So in order to in, to preserve the integrity of both characters, we have to get Eddie off the show. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked Eddie. Yeah. 
Sai says he can't make it with her dead, so he's decided he's going to be happy for her. He feels like skipping. Kalu Kale, I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't look too happy. Sai has spent, like, the entire episode in sarcasm mode. Mm-hmm. At the hardware store, Doc doesn't want Bummer Dan to be fed to the pigs before he's had a chance to dissect him. <laughs> Saul is being liquored up for surgery, and we get a blurry Seth POV shot. Seth promises to William he'll have his gun and badge back. That that was uh, worrying because it was the same kind of shot that the little girl who got, sh- got the shot in the head had. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, that's the first time we've seen this kind of angle or shot, but no, you're correct. This mm-hmm. would be the second instance. Oh, that's of this. right. I forgot about that. Yeah. EB is, for some reason, at the hardware store spectating. He coughs to excuse himself and hurries over to the gem where Al is looking awful. Just terrible. He, d- he really does. Just, I'm sorry, to back up for just one second. Anybody have a, Why would they need to feed Dan to the pigs at all? I mean, everybody knows what happened. Yeah. Why don't they just bury the guy? That's the pigs true. need to eat. Well, they've Nobody just be- cares about Dan. Yeah, but anybody who's died, like, not in a shady way, is always just buried. And they also yeah. said, yeah, and they also said bury him, didn't they? Didn't Seth instruct them to yeah. bury him? Maybe the doctor was just being like cynical. Like just yeah, I better be safe and say something before. Yeah, maybe the doc was kind of like like poking, you know, like a needling them about, you know, their practices and stuff. Okay, sorry I interrupted. It was just something. No, it's an inter- it's an interesting point. This is when Jewel comes downstairs with Seth's gun and badge and says, uh, I found these while cleaning your piss pot. And Al says, well, if you were looking for the piss, I pissed over the balcony. (laughs) Yeah, okay. That makes it okay. Yeah. Johnny inquires after Saul and Charlie. Al says, just shut up. (laughs) What was Seth's intention? To get his gun and badge back, EB says. Well, Al knows that Seth will be coming back for his weapon. FYI, I just want everyone to know it was the kid that unmanned him. I don't really know if that's a, a good excuse. Mm-hmm. But it was. Somebody, well, you know. I was undone by the kid. Well, it was true, though. It was, but it's kind of like, okay, you that's why you didn't kill Seth. Okay. Still, it was a kid, so that's not good. What do you mean? I don't understand. Saying that he's he's trying to cover for why he didn't kill Seth. Yeah, he cares but he's about saying. Him. But he's saying that it was a kid who changed his mind. Is that a good thing? Well, he that he basically oh, well. didn't want to he didn't want to kill the kid's stepfather in front of him. You mean he shouldn't have been thinking about killing him to begin with? Is that what I mean? I'm saying if you want to um, appear imposing in front of your minions, you don't say, "Well, the reason I changed my mind was that I that a kid gave me a look and I felt bad." <laughs> That's not a good because excuse. then it makes you look weak. Either yeah, way. that looks you makes you look weak, but in a different way. Because you know that kid. Yeah, if there's a kid around, then you know that oh. he's toast. He won't do what he's supposed to do. Uh, he could have. He could have not said anything. Is what I'm saying. He doesn't have to justify to them why he killed or, or would choose not to kill Seth. I think he, well, yeah, but I think he's guilty about it, so he feels like he has to say something. I thought he was actually um, explaining it for himself more than anybody else. Oh, you don't think they heard? This was a little he mini soliloquy, a little was, mini monologue to, a, was to mu- us, the audience? He was muttering to himself. 
Okay. Whether whether they heard or not, I mean, I think in his head he's like, okay, yeah, I'm talking to them. But, in fact, I think the only person he was really, you know, like, figuring it out for was himself or, or making excuses or whatever. Because, he, I mean, he did seem like, well, the only reason is because the kid. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a nice little bit of Ian McShane imitating William Sanderson. That was great. Which, which he also did on the commentary last, last season. Nice. Mel uh, Mel uh, remarked it sounded a bit Kermit-ish. <laughs> a, bit, a bit like Kermit the Frog? Yes, yes. Kermit, yes. So now I'm just imagining E.B. as a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> he would make a great Muppet. Because he's just got the right personality for it. He's just uh, neurotic enough to be a Muppet. <laughs> yeah. Hey, why don't you come uh, stay in my hotel? Ah! <laughs> Muppet Hotel. <laughs> I'm the mayor of this town. Oh, I want some <laughs> Deadwood Muppets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Deadwood babies. Aww. I wonder if they've ever uh, done that, because I know they did like a uh, Muppet True Blood and a Muppet um, Boardwalk Empire. Nice. <gasps> we have to look this up now. <laughs> Although I've never seen those shows. <laughs> Silas tells Dan he's not his enemy. Dan says, nine times out of ten, somebody makes that move on me. It's the last move they ever make. You've had your one out of ten. find it interesting that he's given chances. <laughs> Quote from Milch, the reason that Doherty has such misgivings about Adams is that he intuits that Adams is Swearingen's natural successor, whereas Doherty is a kind of regressive offspring. Yeah, Regressive. Silas and Al are definitely more on an intellectual wavelength than Dan. Dan is more of a thug. Even though I like Dan. Dan's intelligent muscle. Hey, he had a good um, point about the, you know, the telegraph. He's like, you know, it's just the same as smoke signals, but faster. Yep. And then Al says, yeah, well, that's not necessarily good because you just, you, you just get bad news faster. Dan's yeah. like, well, you've given it more thought than me. <laughs> <laughs> Alma yeah. tells the tutor, whose name is Miss Isringhausen, that when she inquired about Seth's family earlier, he made no mention that they were en route. So he's been withholding information from her. Maybe he's in denial. You know what? Alma's, Alma says, I'm going to make a welcome basket. I'm going to take it over to them and inquire about Seth's well-being. Miss Isringhausen remarks that he looked fine to me. And she says, are you trained in medicine, Miss Isringhausen? No, ma'am. Well, then shut up because I'm going over there under this pretense. <laughs> that was pretty- also, I'm going to check on Saul and Charlie. <laughs> if you have a better pretense, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so, Sophia has tied a ribbon around her candy to give to William. That was nice. That was. Except it was unappreciated. He, he don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. <he's> like, <laughs> oh, a girl. Hmm. Too young. <laughs> I can't. I can't play with a, a girl. I can play with a boy, and she's too young to lust after. What good is she? <laughs> That's well. Plus cooties. <laughs> Ew, cooties, gross. I love how he looks at the horse and he's like, mmm, but then he's like looking at this little, ew, cooties. <laughs> it's the, probably the whore that has the cooties, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> They're called something else, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. As Ellsworth escorts Alma, he wonders if there might be a better time to make this house call. Well, she says, no, I'm tired of waiting for circumstances to dictate opportunities. Should I walk alone? No, ma'am. 
She's she's getting uh, pretty tired of people trying to rein her in. Also, she looks amazing in that dress. <laughs> <laughs> On the commentary, Molly Parker draws a parallel between Elma's red dress and the Scarlet Letter, saying that this red dress makes her kind of Hester Prynish. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And she also says that Alma in, in this moment is as curious about Seth's Seth's wife as he as she is about his injuries. Yes. She she's got to check this lady out. Yeah, yeah. And there's probably some jealousy going on there. Oh, definitely. I wouldn't think. <laughs> Alma walks into the hardware store and inquires after Saul. She got to get that out of the way because that's why I'm here just to check on everybody, not to look at not to look at uh, the wifey. Super awkward. <laughs> very, very, very formal. I couldn't get over how many formalities there were. How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? <laughs> so nobody's crazy. answering the question. <laughs> yeah, nobody's answering. It's just all formality. <laughs> yep. It's kind of. It's it's all it's kind of like the old timey version of what's up. Like like <laughs> yeah. nobody says, "Oh, this has been up." You know, <laughs> it's just what's up. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a lot of awkwardness here. Um, Seth says to Martha, "Do you recall Mrs. Garrett from my letters?" And Martha's like, "Okay, if that's what we're going with, sure, I do." Well, but he, <laughs> I mean, he was signaling her to, you know, like, "Okay, take the ball." Oh, and we get confirmation that Charlie is doing the postal stuff still because he admits that uh, they lose more mail than they deliver. Right. So he's like, uh, so yeah, he must still be doing that. And uh, which is a joke that makes A.W. Merrick laugh because he's there also for some reason. <laughs> he's, he's always <laughs> everywhere. He's going to report it. He's cloned himself and he's got, you know, he's, oh, got... Yeah, he's got, he's got two shot guys, um, a new arrival in town. Who's the wife of the, the sheriff. He's got a lot to report on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of new people coming in. He wants to get Martha's opinions of the camp. <laughs> <laughs> Clean that up a bit. Yeah. Uh, this scene is so awkward. I mean, incredibly. I have to say that when I first met Martha Bullock, I didn't like her because I didn't like um, that she was coming in between Seth and Alma. As a hardcore Selma <laughs> shipper, I was like, I don't like this lady. Get her out of here. She's ruining everything. <laughs> but now I find myself very sympathetic f- toward her. Um, yeah, I mean, she's walking into something difficult, and she's she's trying to figure out what what her place in this whole thing is. And what it, it sounds like they don't know each other at all, her and Seth. It just—it's almost like they—he married her and then he left, and they just basically know of each other. That's—I think that's exactly what happened. Uh, and uh, the, it was because yeah, and you can tell because of the formalities between them. She keeps calling him Mister Bullock, and mm-hmm. and so does the kid William. Uh, yeah, and they look at him with curiosity, like they don't know anything about him. Uh huh. The Mr. Bullock thing and all, I think, was fairly common at the time, but still, it's, yeah. Well, I was wondering about that, but I figured that it was just that they didn't, just from what I could gather, that they didn't really know him at all. Yeah, I I got the exact same thing. Yeah. 
I'm going to credit this next insight to Molly Parker because it hadn't occurred to me, but she mentions this on the commentary, that Alma is positioned at the center of this room with people on all sides, and she's the interloper. She's the outsider. Even though she's been in the camp since the pilot, and these people are new to the camp, she's the one who is trespassing. And she says something like, you found us in distress this morning, there's no us anymore, because she's on the fringe. Mm. It's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They set up the scene beautifully for for her to be the center of attention in a not comfortable way. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that both Seth and Alma are resisting the urge to look at each other for very long. Mm-hmm. And she's and she's very like she's making it a a point of interest that hey I'm not just checking up on him I'm checking up on other people how are you over there yeah <laughs> she yeah. does a really bad job of it she's <laughs> like how Saul oh I bought you a welcome basket here's some candy I fucked your husband uh, you know whoops <laughs> anyway ha. She quickly leaves, and uh, she's wondering aloud to Ellsworth, did Seth even uh, write about her to Martha? No, he didn't, because um, as Seth is walking with Martha, who sends William a piece ahead, Seth explains her whole backstory. Like, you remember when I wrote to you about her husband and yep. how he how he died and you know he lost the claim and then tried to get it back or get his money back and he was murdered? And she's like... Oh, yeah, that letter. Don't trouble to repeat yourself. Mm-hmm. So so what, she just went along with the lie? She's just going along with it. And there you go. That's the title of the episode. Uh-huh. The lie agreed upon is the lie that Seth and Martha have a legitimate marriage, and there's nothing untoward going on between Seth and Alma. And Seth and Alma have a lie that their relationship has any sort of longevity. Mm. They're just... They're just lying to themselves. I mean, they all know the truth about their situation, but they're going to keep up appearances. Because mm-hmm. that's how you did things back then. Absolutely. Yeah, it's probably how you do things now, too. There's a lot yeah. of people who live in denial. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So. That's very true. But especially with arranged marriages, and that's basically what his is, even though he he arranged it by, you know, agreeing to to take over his brother's situation. It's still a marriage of convenience to make sure that she and the boy are taken care of. On the balcony of the Bella Union, the whores are paraded out. Cy wants to toast to Joni and Maddie's new venture, the name of which is the Shazami. (laughs) Cy pours refreshment on their tongues violently. He grabs one of the whores and he's like, drink this! He's going to send one of his best cocksuckers, Doris, with them. Joni and Maddie protest. We've got all the girls we need. But Sai says, don't think that she's my spy and reject her. Or I'll have to murder her to show you that I'm serious. And she's and totally s- my spy. <laughs> and she's totally your spy. Because seeing as how your brothel only exists because Eddie stole money from me, I want 60 cents of every dollar. Doris is going to hold you accountable. Oh. I wrote down that Sai is their angel investor. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. And don't talk to me like I'm a monkey. I'm not a monkey. That's that's a lot of cents on every dollar. Sixty percent. Yeah, but they agree. Like they don't haggle. They're like, sure, that sounds fine. 
Please don't kill us. Mm -hmm. The Blu-ray, FYI, is very grainy in some of these shots. Mm, This is the only time I've noticed it, but they do some some angles with Psy on the balcony, and they're really, really grainy. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out in case anyone who authored the Blu-ray is listening to this. You did a bad job. You did a bad job in this one instance. (laughs) It could have been just that the film was ruined somehow, or whatever they shot it on, and was... They couldn't fix it, but yeah, too bad. That is too bad. Psy is just uh, a gross. Uh, Mel, you had a lovely line on the commentary when you said, "Shut up, you gross person." Or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, gross person. Ugh. He's really gross. He is. He's I'm awesome. So. I do like one of his quotes that he says, though. It's kind of hilarious. Um. It is dusk, and Seth has brought his family to their new house. Did you get the letter about the house? Martha says, yeah, I got that letter. (laughs) So awkward. William says, are you going to come inside? But he's not ready to go into the house just yet. He's not ready to be the family man just yet. Why did he send for them, then? Don't send for them. I think he sent for them before he and Alma got together. Yeah. They didn't really hook up to the last episode. By then, it was probably too late. I mean, he had to at some point. He's just been living in denial. Yeah. Which is probably one reason why he's been so angry with, at Al. Because Al is trying to tell him the truth of it, and he doesn't want to hear it. No. Didn't he say in the either second to last or last episode or both of uh, season one that he'd already sent for them? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, William... He's just a kid, so he just surmises that Seth has to see to the camp first and get his gun and badge back. So, yeah, it's that, but it's also fucking Elma. But he's just a kid. He doesn't know that. Martha says, thank you, and it seems really sincere. She's Mm. not holding him to anything. Again, it's this lie agreed upon. I took my chances with this guy. I wanted a father for my son. He seemed like a good guy. Yeah. He gave me a house. He's going to keep me safe. I, he, if he can't give me, you know, his affection, then, oh well, thank, thank you at for least, everything else. Yeah, at least That's he's true. giving her all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So That was I a remember, lot in those days. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I'm so sure a lot of people got married for less, so... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of weight behind that thank you, and I really like Martha in that, in that moment. Hmm. And he, you know, when they play the the letter when he says to her you know you got that letter um and she says it's on top of my trunk and he says that everything is in there however he says it i don't remember yeah um, it's all in the letter it's all in the letter when they, they then when they play it you taking into account what what his relationship is with alma and everything else you you kind of get an idea of where his head is at this point i i think so maybe I'll maybe I misperceive. No, I think you got it. It's about the house. It's about the architecture, the windows. It's there's no romance in it. There's no affection in it. Right. He talks to Alma. He talks about her toads. You know he. Right, and he also says to her that he um, plans on living up to his promise to be a father to her son and to be a husband to her. And the def the question is, what's the definition of husband? It sounds like what he's saying is the definition is to be a provider, to provide for her and mm-hmm. protect her. 
Yeah, which doesn't include, I guess, love. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. A house, food on the table. Mm-hmm. This is where um, Seth walks by Soapy, and Soapy's going, Soap! Soap with a pro- Oop. <laughs> <laughs> A funny little moment in, in this um, kind of somber ending. Because we're hearing the voiceover about you know, the letter that he wrote about the house. He goes upstairs in the, in the hotel. Alma answers the door. He pulls her toward him. They embrace. Outside of the room. You could it's, tell uh, you could tell sad. that they were just really worried about each other though. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. This is they're finally in, in private. Yeah. yeah. Semi private. I mean they're out in the hallway. Yeah. I thought that was weird how they closed the door, but that put them in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> but they they had to stay which put them in between stuff. Because in her room was Sophia and everybody so they couldn't kiss in there yeah and yeah. downstairs was the whole rest of the town so they were caught in between you know very metaphor thing going on mm. in the hallway good points where yeah. they where they couldn't really do anything and they couldn't you know they're stuck so his voiceover about wanting to be a, a father and stuff and all did he mean that yes i agreed upon yeah, I think he but did. Did he mean? Yeah, did he yeah, mean, but I mean, it's still he's not doing it. Not now. Yeah, things have changed. He, I guess. I mean, he bit. he built them the house, but yeah. Will he end his relationship with Alma? No. No. Well, he I might eventually. Temporarily. <laughs> I thought he might, and then I realized no. I think he's. I mean, I my perception was that his head was that uh, he was going to be. In love with Alma, and take care of Martha. That's her name, Martha. Yeah, Martha and William, and be a father to William. Mm-hmm. Just that you know, that's how he was looking at his life. If he could, if he could pull that one off. Well, let's get into your uh, predictions. And last time, Matt said the lie is gonna be something about society. Nope. Well, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> I guess you could say that it's about society and the fact that um, people people tell each other things to cope and uh, they don't talk about the real issues and they dance around it. And well, marriage is a social construct, so it's true. Mm-hmm. But pretty pretty vague, Matthew. I don't know if we'll give you that point. Uh. You also said that Sai, the lie could be between Sai and Joni, and she'll return to work for him. Uh, exact opposite. She's really <laughs> cutting ties. Damn. I'm way off. I'm not starting out this season well. <laughs> Mel said that this episode would give us half a lie. Part two will be the rest of the lie. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I'm right. Uh, you also said that uh, there may be some um, showdowns between the uh, cowboys. Uh, you phrased it as... Boy, I don't know how to articulate that into actual <laughs> words. There was a showdown between uh, Al and Seth. Okay. Yeah. Over the lie. Yeah. Over the. Yeah. The kind of come back to reality moment. Yeah. Uh, so I was right. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll give you half a point. Oh come on! Nope, come you don't on. get the no, no. I'm giving the you know the full point goes to Carol because she said that Seth and Alma are the ones living a lie. Oh, that's true. Oh, I got something right. Yeah. Yay. It's amazing. 
<laughs> Enjoy your point. Enjoy it. Instead of body count, we were doing um, how many new characters are we going to meet? Mel and Carol said two. Matt said three. I count five. Uh, I'll tell you the ones I counted. I counted Martha, William, and Maddie on the stagecoach. I, I don't count the horse because they didn't have any lines, except for, well, the one said, oh, fuck me or something. But that she's not a real character. Uh, Miss Isringhausen, the tutor. And I'm going to give uh, the fifth to Harry Manning, the bartender at the number 10. Because he had a fair bit to do. Um, does anyone want to argue that we saw additional characters? Have, yes, we, have we met Slippery Dan before? Hey, I doubt he'll be probably back. an existing character. I don't, I don't think he'll be, he'll be back. He may have been just a barfly previously. I don't think you're going to see him again. So, Lila we saw before. Mm, I can't think of anyone else, so I'm going to go with five. I guess we can give it to Matt since he was the closest. Yay! With three. Aww, default. That's... Default. Should we? What do you? What do you ladies think? Does he deserve yeah. a point? Sure. Be maybe. Be kind. All right. He gets a. Woo. <laughs> he gets a point. He is the closest. All right. Let's do feedback. Okie dokie. Okay. First feedback is from Nutty. Uh, Carol, why don't you read this one? Okay. Odd that this is a part one and not an episode on its own. There wasn't a cliffhanger, and while there is something unresolved, it felt like a complete episode. Seth only needs to be angry at himself when people talk about him and Alma. In this sort of society, he's the one that controls all of that. He's mad because people know the truth, know that you're having sex, know that he's married, and that she is a widow. While they may speak of it without mentioning the feelings they have, it's all true. He knew his honeymoon was soon over, and he said last season he sent for his wife and boy, and he really does have to do what's right. It's not fair to his wife, and he's just going to make her look like a fool. I'm interested to see how William and Sophia get along, seeing as they're the only two kids we see in the camp. Love how Ellsworth still sticks his tongue out at her and how her teacher is horrified at that. <laughs> Love how Al has his uh, pose and Seth has his own. That fight was great. I think she still meant posse. His what? His posse. Posse. Yeah, I think she's probably oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering. It didn't make much sense. Okay, posse. And still, the best part of the episode was Jane. Cocksuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Host producer of Nutty Bites, Nimlust.org. Cool. Thanks, Nutty. Merci. Well, we talked about why it's a it's a two parter because it takes place in the same day. Yeah, I agree with her as far as the William and Sophia thing. See that I, I agree with her about the whole thing to some degree. Yeah, I don't know about it not being fair to his wife, because the basis for their relationship it's just yeah, it's, it's not, just duty. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he's not doing his duty to her by cheating on her either. It's an obligation. Mm. If he, but she must feel that if Seth isn't careful, it could be embarrassing. For, for Martha, where it's like everybody in the town knows everyone, you know, they, yeah. they when she walks into a room, everyone falls silent, because, right. and, they, and they treat her like not a real person, and mm. and so the embarrassment comes from uh, uh-huh. just everyone knowing. Yeah, yeah, it definitely would be embarrassing for her at the same time with that kind of a relationship. Uh, she had to ex- had had to have expected it. Yeah, I mean, 
You really think she expected that? I don't know about expected it, but I think she more has to understand it, not expect it. Okay. You know, because that's... No, I think she's got to expect that when she comes out there, she's going to be living with a man who she doesn't really know. Yeah. And then he's going to have other... He's going to have had other relationships. And... He's well, especially... She, she's not going to know... She's not going to know, like, all the all the angles of it, but... Especially because they were, were living apart for so long, I guess, and he she doesn't know what he's like. So she doesn't know whether he would cheat her or not. Yeah, because he was in uh, wherever he, they came from originally in the pilot episode, long enough to be a marshal there. Yeah. Meanwhile, she was out in Michigan. Yeah, she wasn't. And he was in Minnesota, right? He was in Montana. Montana? They really she did. She was in it, Michigan. They really did marry. I don't know if they've they're... ever met then. Well, how could you get married? You gotta yeah, meet I'm... to get married. Mm. You can't I'm marry sure. over a letter. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, he might have was... at least he might have at least got there, married her just to keep her safe, and then went Left. away. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she was his brother's wife, so depending on on logistically where the brothers were when you know he may never have met her except for going up to you know marry her and, and then left again or they may have known each other before and then she just hasn't seen him for years and years no, so they've met but they don't know each other yeah, yeah so they, when i say that she expects it i think she's expecting probably the worst like she's she's not she's expecting uh not a smooth transition mm. but um she yeah. might be expecting him to be I mean sick. she was on the same page with him right away when when he said you know the letter that I sent you, but Alma, she's like, oh yeah, that letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's no, she's no fool. Mm. No. But she could be, but she could easily be embarrassed in front of the, uh, front of the camp, if everybody knows what's what. Um, oh, absolutely. And in this camp, they probably do. Uh, absolutely. So, and yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if right now, as she went back in the house, she was wondering what in the world she'd just gotten herself into, because. Uh, she walked into something pretty heavy, and she knows it. Mm-hmm. Mel, would you like to read Harold's letter? I will. Back in the saddle for season two. It looks like enough time has passed since season one for Bullock to have built a new house and for his face to have healed from last season's beating, just in time for him to get a new series of wounds to take their place. Swearingen and Bullock start season two in states of high stress and anxiety, which can't be good. Al loses control and makes aspersions, aspersions about Bullock's personal business in front of the whole camp. He should know that Bullock is a man who takes himself very seriously and does not like to have his moral superiority questioned. Bullock, meanwhile, cannot abide by the thrust remark, even though he has been nailing the widow Garrett so hard as to cause plaster to shower down on the five head during her morning <laughs> Five head. <laughs> I love that he brought this back. Uh, once a fight like that... Oh, be- they gave her bangs, so she oh, no longer has that. Though. That's true. We didn't talk about her hair yeah. change. Yeah, like, it looks much this better. This kid looks weird. Let's give her some bangs. <laughs> <laughs> once a fight like that begins, no one knows how it will end. Bullock came very close to having his neck sliced, and Star and Utter were nearly shot dead, none of which Al actually wants, at least not in public. So, newbies, do you think this is an irreparable... Ir- my God, I can't talk... Irreparable rift between Al and Seth's people, or will they get over it? 
Mm. Mm, it's total West Side Story now. We got gangs. Oh, are they going to start singing and dancing? <laughs> They'll get over are, it. Are we getting a musical episode of Deadwood, Matt, and you just never told us? Is he there? Uh, I'm here. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just playing coy. <laughs> no, that means yes. That means yes. 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 <laughs> All right. Please, please continue. <laughs> I just didn't know if we had more to say about that. Um, the other major development was the arrival of Anna Gunn, who got to prepare for her role as the wi- wife of Walter White's wife. Huh? <laughs> the what? wife of Walter White's wife. <laughs> the wife of Walter White's wife. I'm really confused about it. Sister wives. All right. Sister wives. Where, wives. Where I, don't remember the, I don't remember the big love of Breaking Bad crossover. But... No, me neither. Where, where she spent most of her time making it hard for him to do anything fun, like cook meth, by playing the role of Mrs. Bullock. <laughs> Where she will spend most of her time trying to keep Bullock away from doing anything fun, like fighting in the street and stooping, sh- <laughs> stooping the widow Garrett, stooping. <laughs> yep, I love that. Uh, I've never heard that word before. You never heard stooping? No, it's a nice, it's a nice Yiddish word. Stooping. Usually stooping as opposed she to. She gets stooped. Stooped. <laughs> yeah. Um. We did get a brief appearance of Calamity Jane, enough to remind the audience that she is still on this show and will be back sometime this season. <laughs> we don't get to see Eddie because Ricky J didn't want to come back. Huh? I haven't heard that, but maybe. Mm. So we are told that he stole Sai's money and ran off, but before doing so, gave Joni the money she needed for her very own brothel. I will have to admit that the Sai Tolliver stuff is not working for me. He is such an unpleasant character to be around, and there just isn't enough payoff to justify his screen time. I like. I agree that he's not a likable character, but I don't know if... I guess it remains to be seen if there will be payoff. Yeah, but I don't even like watching him. All his scenes, I'm just like, eh, he's, let's go he's on to gross. the next scene. He's gross, but I mean, eh, I think he's kind of a... I'm not super interested in that whole storyline with him. He's, grot- he's grotesque, but at least we... We know where Joni's coming from, mm. so her growth as a character and her opportunities, you know, with the brothel uh, means more. But I'm not interested in her scenes either because he's almost always in them. <laughs> I liked her scenes with, uh, with Ellsworth, uh, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Yeah, I liked their scenes together. But yeah, any other time I see Joni, it's always she's always in the Bella Union. And yeah, with him or I don't know. Yeah, so uh, I'm not into Joni that much either right now. Oh, we should see her elsewhere pretty soon. Hopefully. Anyways, Harold says that he liked this quite a lot. I give it nine beautiful toes out of ten. (laughs) Thanks, Harold. Thanks, Harold. Thanks, Nutty. All right, got some sort of feedback from Emily. She posted this on the Facebook group. Matt, why don't you read this one? Okay. I don't have time to send an email, but I just thought to say, I but I just have to say how much I enjoyed the last two episodes. The finale and the opener are fantastic episodes of television. Where's it going to go? I have no idea, but I can't wait to find out. Okay, I'll try real quick. My wish is to see the actor I know is coming sometime show up this season, keeping cryptic. <laughs> I want to see Psy continue down his spiral of evil. I want to see more Sixy. I forgot his name right now, but I think that's right. Yep, Saul and Trixie equals <laughs> sexy. I also want to see this show continue to get better because I'm totally in. Also, how hot is Salma? The answer is hot. 
nope, you're wrong. The answer is very hot. <laughs> was Anna Gunn a surprise to anyone else? Yes. Uh, that's going to be fun, isn't it? Ten out of ten UTIs for Al. Emily in the Utah Territories. Thinking urinary tract infections? Yeah. 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 Uh, everyone's picking up on that. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to say well, anything, but... You... What else would that be? Yeah, there's some pretty heavy foreshadowing happening here with, uh, with Al's medical conditions, so I'm not even going to bother trying to say that, uh... That's there's not, not something happening here. Yeah, <laughs> there's something. Everyone's picking up on it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys are crazy. He just had a bad day. He's just, he just no. couldn't, couldn't pee this one time. No, it's, <laughs> it's got some health issues. There's no point in misleading you and saying that that's not what's happening. <laughs> Plus, all that heavy drinking can't be good for your body, so... Mm. Yeah. I, I think other people drink way more than him, though. <laughs> yeah, but he's got a stressful job. Mm. So, he's always stressed out every time you see him. That can't be good for his body either. I mean, you could pre- you could pretend that that's not what's happening, and I could pretend that that's not what's happening, and that could be our lie agreed upon. <laughs> but we don't have to base our lives on the show so strictly. All right. Okay. I have <laughs> last bit of feedback is from Stephanie. Uh, it's an audio feedback, so I want to play it now. Hello, Hooplecast. This is Stephanie. I wish that I could have joined you for um, this episode for the season two premiere, but I just have too many cocksuckers vying for my time right now. <laughs> too much going on. Um, I don't really understand what's going on in the show in the, the last couple of episodes of season one. Titus Welliver's character, I have no clue who he is. Uh... But I did enjoy this episode. He was like looking, over, looking at everybody like, y'all are all insane. What is going on? Y'all are ignorant. <laughs> Cocksuckers. Um, <laughs> so please explain that situation. Because the finale, all I knew was, whew, thank you that uh, Seth and Alma finally got it on. That was hot. And then this episode is so awkward when the family gets to town. And, I mean, I understand that he married um, Martha uh, out of obligation. He's he's obligated to help because uh, his brother died. So And he loves this kid. You can tell he, he loves this kid, but he has, like, no emotion for this woman. And so, and everybody in camp knows what's been going on with him and Alma. And it's just so uncomfortable and awesome. Perfect. So, yeah, explain Titus Welliver, and I will be grateful. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Stephanie. Okay, so Titus Welliver plays Silas Adams. Silas was the the bagman from Yankton. I'll define bagman. A person designated to collect and or distribute illicitly gained money, dirty money, such as bribes to public officials, or that which is collected in a criminal enterprise, such as a protection racket, uh, an intermediary in such transactions. Uh, basically, he worked for Magistrate Claggett. The magistrate couldn't take the, be seen taking the bribes because he's a, a, an official, but he can have a, a middleman do it. And you could say, all right, Silas, uh, I'm extorting Al, uh, blackmailing him for $5,000 to quash this warrant. You you uh, exert a little um, intimidation. You get the money. I'll give you a cut. 
And Al said, well, instead of doing that, what if you were to kill Magistrate Claggett and work for me? You'll make more money working for me. So he switched sides, and now Silas is basically Dan 2.0. And someone on Facebook wrote something really insightful about this. But then when I went to get that quote, it was gone, or I couldn't find it. So I don't know, maybe someone deleted that. But whoever did post that, I don't even remember. That was really good. I wanted to read that on the podcast. I couldn't find it. Was it somehow spoilery? Oh, I don't think so. I don't know why else it would be deleted. But um, is everyone clear here? Uh, yeah, I know who Silas, he... who Silas is, what he was about, and what he is about now. Yep. Yeah, I think this episode. I agree, absolutely agree with Steph that he, the look on his face was pretty much, "You people are all ridiculous." Um. We got the impression that Silas was a pretty smart person, and now he's working with some real dum-dums. Yeah. And Dan, I mean, he does kind of fill Dan's purpose as well, which is why Dan is feeling a little on the edges. Right. Sort of like, why why does Al have two guys doing the exact same job? Hmm. And that makes Dan feel really uncomfortable, because what's what's my role going to be? Right. The bartender. (laughs) And he, he really isn't, they, they aren't doing the same job, and that's worse for Dan because Silas is doing a lot more independent thinking mm-hmm. than Dan. I mean, he stopped Dan from killing Seth because that was the smart thing to do, not kill Seth. You know, killing right. the, the sheriff in the middle of the street uh, in the, by shooting him in the back really... Unarmed sheriff in the middle of the street, by shame in the back, is not the smartest thing to do if you don't want the government raining down on you. Yeah, and I think later on Al would have been angry that yeah his his ally, as useless as he has been recently, that Dan took it upon himself to kill him. Uh, Even though so. Al Al was about to kill to knife him or whatever, which also surprised me. I really didn't think Al... The heat of the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Stephanie had one last uh, thing to add. She says, more female characters! Exclamation point. Yes. Th- um, yeah. we got Martha, Miss Isringhausen, Maddie. Lila seems to be um, a character now. So I would say there's at least uh, three, if not four, new female characters. That's on top of Alma, Joni, Trixie, Jane. So usually think of Westerns as being very male character heavy. And while you could certainly say that the men tend to dominate most of the episode, they're not really wanting for strong female characters or female characters. There's there's a good number of them. That's really nice to see. It is nice to see. Mm-hmm. Although I'm skimming over the script again there to look for a uh, couple of quotes. and uh, You stopped on misogyny. I stopped on misogyny there <laughs> from Cy. <laughs> there's no good women till you've seen one with maggots in her eyes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God, you know, that quote. Yeah, we discussed... We discussed how Dan was kind of murderous this episode, but we didn't discuss how Sai was waiting for a murder to happen. He was like, like drooling over this fight. He wanted someone to get killed. 
Oh, yeah, he, he was, was like getting a boner. He was getting a boner. Tingling in, the, in his balls. Uh, these yeah. are two adversaries, really, and they're going at him. Maybe they'll take each other both out. Yeah. Oh, uh, they didn't. But he was totally getting a boner at this fight. It was gross. <laughs> well, I think he had the opposite where his genitalia was going up inside him. Isn't that what he said? <laughs> no, is that what it was? I don't know. I thought I he was like. I, it looked to me like he was getting turned on by this. <laughs> <laughs> just his face was like Ugh. Uh, he's i mean really credit to powers booth mm. he was phenomenal in this yep. episode yeah um i hate the character so much mm. but well he's good he, at making us hate him he was terrific <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah he he was all, he was totally despicable all right well let's get on to uh episode ratings uh Mel, why don't you rate the episode first? Uh, I don't know how to rate this episode because it confused me. So I don't okay, know if I'm Carol, rating it properly. why don't you rate the episode? No, but I don't know if I can <laughs> rate it properly. Like, I, I don't want to give it like a very high rating because I... And I thought the continuity stuff was a bit uh, bothersome. Okay. So I think I would give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, pricks pickled in cunt brine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That is also my quote, by the way. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right, Carol. Um, I liked it more um than Mel. I, the continuity thing didn't bother me pretty much at all. Um, I thought the performances were excellent. I thought the the story uh, is becoming more convoluted than it was before, which is saying something. Um, so I was I was good with it. I'll give it a nine out of ten empty piss pots. Okay, Matt. Kind of the same way as Mel in that it was a little bit disjointed and it took some. I spent part of the episode trying to get used to the new normal of new characters and the time jump and everyone's new. St- not everyone, but some characters new station in the camp, and um, but I I liked every I liked the whole episode. I didn't really well, except for the size stuff, I guess. I don't know. Um, I don't have much bad to say. I just I don't know. I just couldn't totally get into it. So I'll I'll give it eight out of ten. Forgotten knives. Well, I think I probably liked it the most of anyone, but I've also seen this episode like six or seven times. I'm kind of sick of it actually at this point. <laughs> I've watched it so many times. Um Is it because of all the commentaries? The commentaries, having watched it originally and then last year and then like I watched it again with your commentary and then Sorry. To, to take notes and yeah. Um kinda of sick of it. But I do like it because I like the fight. I thought the um, just they went over the balcony, then Saul and Charlie got shot, and it's just like like what's happening? This is crazy. And the super awkward scene with Martha and William and Alma kind of meeting each other and Yeah. I got a good stuff. I'm gonna take half a point off because um the time jump was a little off putting. That mm-hmm. it took us some time to get our bearings and we're kinda like, Well, what's happening here? Like Charlie's a deputy? When did that happen? It's fine. I mean, they're they're skipping ahead to the meat of the story, but for the time being, it was a little confusing, and I'm going to take half a point off because um, I don't like the Yankton commissioner 
stuff. I like that less than Cy Tolliver. I find it a little dry, the politics of that. Mm-hmm. But it's what motivates Al, so I know it's important. I'm just going to give this one 9 out of 10 plaster showers. Carol, nominate your character of the episode. I think I have to go with Alma. Um, Cy was give. I mean, it's quite a performance and all, but just so despicable. And uh, if I never had to look at his face again, I'd be happy. Um, So I would go with Alma because of. Everything she goes through in this, I mean, she really has a huge range from, you know, just being totally besotted with Seth to to having, you know, look like he's going to get killed to having his wife show up, you know, and she did a beautiful job all the way through. So I'll go with Alma. Okay. Matt, why don't you go? Mm, I don't know who did well in this episode, but I enjoyed... Watching Alma's reaction to uh, Seth's family arriving and her trying to keep keep it cool and stuff, and you know, um, I just enjoyed watching her the most. I'm not really sure if she won or whatever. Well, that's not the question. It's not who won. It's I guess who did you find the most interesting? I guess. Yeah. Okay, her. Because I mean, I've given it to Cy Tolliver before, and I hate Cy Tolliver. I just I, and I've given it to like Jack McCall. Mm-hmm. Because he was the instigator for a lot of things, so hey, it's it's whoever you pick. There's no there's no right or wrong answer as long as you pick somebody, Mel. No, what? It's your turn. Aww. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I mean, you have a tendency to be like, well, I don't know. Can I give it to the uh, the candy or something? Can I give it to the welcome basket? Like, no, you have to give it to a person. <laughs> Why? It's not fair. Uh, I'll go next. I'm going to give it to Martha because I liked that she was immediately on the same page as, as Seth, trying to preserve, you know, a safe face. She didn't want anyone to be embarrassed, not Alma, not herself, not Seth, nobody. Like, she picked up whatever whatever little hints were being dropped. She picked up and read the situation really well. And then... At the end, I really liked when she said to Seth, he couldn't come into the house. He wasn't ready to come in and be the father and the husband. And she was like, that's okay, but thank you. And I love that moment, so I'm going to give it to Martha. All right, Mel. I have no choice. Can I give it to Farting Williams? You certainly could. <laughs> no. Just- Why? Why would you give it to William? <laughs> Wait a minute, she didn't say William. Oh, is it just that one moment in the no, entire no, no. show? I'm just kidding. Oh. I I probably, as much as I hate Cy, uh, I feel like I have to give it to him because I thought he was kind of, <laughs> he was good this episode. He was just very, yeah, very effective at making me hate him more. <laughs> yeah, he was the most Cy Tolliver he's ever been. Yeah, and oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just, I've never, yeah. Even though he, you know, he killed those two kids that one episode as, and as, you know, that's pretty horrific. But this episode, I don't know, he's just getting more and more just awful. Okay. Yeah. Quotes. Who has a quote? I have a few. You go ahead. Go ahead. Well, let me introduce my wife, Martha, and her son, William, Mrs. Alma Garrett. How do you do? How do you do? How do you do, William? How do you do? 
<laughs> and Ellsworth, who superintends Mrs. Garrett's claim. Ma'am, William, how do you do? <laughs> I've never heard so many how do you do. <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> you needed a whore to walk by and William to be like, how you doing? I'll go. All right, Matt, you go. Age impedes my stream. No fucking fear of you. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Al. <laughs> I also have, ain't the state of things cloudy enough? Don't we face enough fucking imponderables? <laughs> <laughs> well, this isn't my quote, so this doesn't count, but I'm going to finish your quote for you. Okay. Because he says, so by all means, let's plant poles across the country, festoon the cocksucker with wires to hurry the sorry word, and blinker our judgments of motive, huh? And Dan says, you've given him more thought than me. <laughs> I like I like that he says festoon the cocksucker. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> It's a good combination of words. That, that's like a Christmas song, Festoon the Cocksucker. <laughs> With garland and ornaments. And Maybe it lights. needs to be a, a body pirate song. <laughs> next time you next time you're decorating a Christmas tree. Yes. You should say to Matt, let's festoon that cocksucker. <laughs> nice. I had one quote and it's not I may not have it exact. Um I just loved how direct they can be in this show sometimes. When um, Seth is headed up to see Al and he looks at uh, Dan and he says, do I have to watch my back from you? Mm. Al mm -hmm. told me to stand down on this one or Al told me to stay out of this one or something. I don't know what he said, but um, yeah, there's a, certain moments of that all the way through the series that I, you know, I like those moments where they just are just so totally direct about yeah, it. They just cut, cut through the pretense and yeah. And then after that, when nobody was being direct, it's like then you had the guys shifting for position in the bar and just staring at each other and nobody being direct about it. And then you had Seth and Martha and, and Alma and everybody else being not being direct at all. And in the middle of that, you just have this one moment where Seth is just lays it right on the line. <laughs> I'm going to roll a couple quotes into one because I'm going to cheat that way. They're afloat in some fairy fucking bubble, lighter than air. Him, her snatch, and his stupid fucking badge. <laughs> Sheriff, about his duties to the camp, huh? Luck trouble didn't jump out earlier. How huh, Bullock might have found you mid-thrust at other business. He was so looking for a fight. <laughs> you do not want to be staring like that at me. Come on, more quotes. <laughs> I'm out. Uh, while that, while that lady was traveling with you, her husband, the sheriff, was pickling his prick in the cunt brine of another. Cunt <laughs> 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 brine. <laughs> I just like how that's how he gossips. <laughs> just like says things in the most grossest possible way. Uh, I like this quote from Dan. We're joining America, and it's full of lying, thieving cocksuckers that you can't trust at all. Governors, commissioners, and whatnot. By God, that's just the new way of things. And you're just going to have to get used to it, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, great one. That was fun irony. <laughs> you pie-faced cocksucker, get in here and account for your insult. <laughs> <laughs> pie-faced. Pie-faced. Uh, here's a gross one from Cy. Oh, it's so gross. You better get packed, Doris. Did you bring anything with you when I bought you? That's all right, honey. You just packed the rags you've been wiping the cum off with. 
Dude. Oh, that's so he's gross. really gross this episode. Uh, oh. <laughs> Why would I pack those? <laughs> that's what she should have said. Like, oh, I don't keep those. Like, I don't... <laughs> oh, I see. You're being gross. Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling, Mr. Star? I've puked twice. <laughs> All right. No more quotes? No. Nope. Okay, well, next week's episode, or in two weeks, we'll be talking about episode 14, A Lie Agreed Upon, part two. Predictions. Lies, lies, and more lies agreed upon. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, anyone, <laughs> anyone else? Seth and Alma will, after much deliberation, will call it off. No. Oh, no, not Salma. Yeah. No, nothing. It so. It's going to take longer than that. But I think later on they're going to, you know, they're going to break and they're going to go back together like in a later episode. They're going to they're going to attempt to be to do the right thing. Well, quote, you know unquote, what? Right they thing. might they might they might lie to each other uh some more by saying we don't want to be together, but they do. So, but because of circumstances, they'll have to break it off, but they still want to be together. So that's another lie agreed upon. Hmm? Okay. Carol, any thoughts about what might happen next week? Um, in two weeks. I keep saying next week. I mean, in two weeks. Yeah. Um, next episode. It's later that this day. So. Yeah. I, I really did at first think that, uh, they were going to, that, Seth was going to try and call it off with Alma, and then I got the feeling that no, he's he's going to try and figure out an accommodation where he. I don't think he can give Alma up. I'm not. I don't know. Well, we'll see. I I don't know. Other than that, okay. I don't know. Well, what else should we predict for the next episode? Anyone have any thoughts? I don't know. The title, we already went over this title, I feel. Al is going to have more troubles with his bladder, and... Well, I meant things to, like, count, or be on the lookout for. Oh. Hmm. Be on the lookout. Well, this is the only one that came to me. You're talking about how we never want to see Cy again. Mm. How many scenes with Cy Tolliver are we going to get? (laughs) And we we will count times where they're having a conversation, then they cut away, and then they cut back. No, wait, maybe we shouldn't count that. That's where they cut away and cut back to the same scene? Yeah, like how in this episode, in this episode, um, Cy was with Joni and Maddie. Joni says, can we have some privacy? Maddie leaves. We cut away. When we cut back, they finish their conversation. Should that count as one scene or two? If it's in the same instance, one scene. I think it should count as one. Once? Okay, so how many times are we going to have a Cy Tolliver scene? Two. That says two. Hmm. Cy Tolliver, huh? Three. Okay. So if they cut away and come back, that's going to be one scene. Yeah, it sounds like we're going to just... If if the intention is one scene, then I guess we're going to leave it as one. Okay, so... I'll go with three. Okay. Done and done. Well, anyone have anything to plug? I was on Sue Watches Buffy... About a week ago, two weeks ago. Cool. Talking about the Angel episodes, Offspring, Quickening, and Lullaby. Aha. Which is a great arc. Mm-hmm. And Lullaby is my favorite episode of season three of Angel. So that was really fun. 
you should watch, listen to Sue Watches Buffy because we had a really fun recording. Yeah, it's a good show. Good podcast. Be on the lookout for the Twin Peaks Festival recap on the Twin Peaks podcast. Yes. Um, and also, we just did a little Defenders podcast uh, where Claire and Robin were talking about their trip to New York. Oh, that's awesome. I look forward to that one. And uh, I'm assuming I'll be back soon with another What We Make podcast with Will, the Terminator podcast. All right. Well, as usual, you can find us online at hooplecast.com. Send email to hooplecast at gmail.com. Twitter at hooplecast. Go on the Facebook group. Do it. People are posting some fun stuff. Do it. Join the Facebook group, cocksuckers. Leave us a review on uh, iTunes. All right, that's it. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) See you in two weeks. Fuck all of (laughs) y'all. Uh... Mel did, did my job for me. I did. You're lazy. That's why. You got to it first. You're lazy with your fuck yous. <laughs> mm. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> hey, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. You want to fight? Come on, <laughs> come over here. Come over to this balcony. We're going to fight right on this balcony. I can't fight. I have to pee. <laughs> oh, but you can't be because you have uh, you have problems. You have bathroom problems. Shut What's up. wrong? What's wrong down there? Shut up. I peed off the balcony earlier. <laughs> yeah, sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> I want my mom. Let's build a stairway to the stars and climb that stairway to the stars with love beside us. To fill the night with a song We'll hear the sound of violin Out yonder where the blue begins The moon will guide us As we go drifting along Can't we still Daisy pedal over the rim of the hill. Can't we sail away on a little dream and settle high on the crest of a thrill? Let's build a stairway to the stars. A lovely, lovely stairway to the stars. It would be heaven. Climb to heaven with you Yeah.
sitting alone Can't we still wave On a lazy daisy petal Over the rim of the hill Can't we still wave On a little dream And settle high on the crest of a Heaven, heaven to 